Hello, welcome to the latest edition of Rugby League Back Chat. Hope you're all safe and well as ever during isolation and you're enjoying yourself. Looking forward to some Rugby League in the near future. It's not too far away now, but while we are waiting this week, we have two bona fide legends of this game on the show. Please welcome Paul Sculthorpe and Lee Breers. Gents, it is fantastic to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. And especially you, Lee. Now, Lee might not have much to say during this show because he's currently fasting. Uh, as we're recording this, which must be quite difficult. Uh, Lee, what, talk, talk us through the uh, the fasting, what, what's brought this on? Yeah, so I, I, I do it quite regular, uh, the intermittent fasting, which is eat for eight hours a day and, and fast for 16 hours a day. But every Monday in June, we, there's, a, there's a guy called Wim Off, who we follow quite closely. He's a, a guru on all this stuff. And uh, he's a fantastic person. He's into all his breathing and cold methods and, and fasting is a challenge every Monday. We do 24 hours, so he, there's a lot of people, obviously, who follow Wim Hof. And uh, there's a group of my friends, there's about eight of us who are doing it. We'll come up with the, the idea we, we'll do a 24-hour challenge on a, on a Monday. So no food on Monday and breakfast will be, first time we eat will be on Tuesday at 8 a.m. So, yeah, in, in fasting stage now, but it, it's really good, actually. It's, you think that... Because you're not eating that, you're going to be low on energy and, you know, it drains you. But it, it does the absolute opposite. You know, you have plenty of energy and, you know, it's healthy. But also it, it, it refreshes the mind. It, it recharges the batteries and resets you. So it's good. It's a good challenge. And Mrs. doesn't like it too much because, you know, the she, she likes cooking food and stuff like that. But, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting challenge, but it's, it's well worth doing. Don't know about you, Scully, but I wouldn't fancy that. No, no, I'm just, I'm gonna go ahead, man. I, uh, I think I'll have to till, uh, till just after dinner. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough, it's tough. Bring, bring back the old brazy. What's happened to the old brazy? He's fasting, he's training, he's no boozing. No boozing, so I'm growing a yeah. beard. I think yeah. I might just, I might just uh, open a treat up in my back garden. You know, <laughs> come along. <laughs> Hey, Scully, you look like you've uh, been enjoying yourself during lockdown. You're making me look like uh, Casper the Ghost at the minute. We we are tan out. How have you how have you developed such a tan in, in Costa del? Are you in St. Evans still? Yeah, no, no, Oral, mate, Wigan. Uh, oral, yeah, Oral, sorry, oh, my Oral. <laughs> Yeah, no, mate, just uh, obviously spending spending time in the garden over the uh, certainly over the, the the last week or so. Um, yeah, there's not much else to do, is there? So. Um, yeah, just been doing a bit on the a bit on the garden and uh, shirts off and get, might as well get a tan while we can because I don't think we'll be uh, I don't think we're going on holiday this year. You, you've been popping up everywhere on social media though. You've been doing things in the community. I saw you uh, turn up at Stuart Pike, man with the mic's house, uh, <laughs> one day with a delivery. Talk, talk us through that. What what's been the the thinking behind all of that? Yeah, obviously uh, you know, and obviously Lee has as well. Uh, we've been. We've, both ambassadors for the Steve Prescott Foundation, uh, and been doing uh, a lot of the deliveries, the essential items to the uh, the, the people of St Helens. You know, a lot of the, the key workers, the the elderly and the and the vulnerable, and you know, been doing obviously the shopping, and and then obviously the, the Eccleston Arms, Andrew McHale, there has, has set up a great service there. Obviously, doing all the uh, all the items, but also you know, meal ready meals as well, and uh, and Sunday rolls. So. Yeah, all the, the ambassadors, you know, myself, Lee, Tommy Martin, Johnny Vegas, have uh, been going out delivering to uh, to all the people. Well, you've both uh, been making most of your time in uh, lockdown. It's great to see. Let, let's get into some uh, 
some of the rugby boys. Um, a bit of a weird time, isn't it? At the minute we we kind of know when we're going to be coming back, but it's it's still a fair while away. Lee, obviously, I mean you're you're in, in the coaching setup at, at Warrington at the minute. How how difficult is it for for you and, and Steve and everyone else to to try and prepare to keep the boys focused and everything like that when you're still effectively you know seven eight weeks away at least from from playing again. Yeah, that that the, the thing is, you know, we've never we've not had a date set yet, so that that's a difficult time, and and we can't. I think off the top of my head, it's about twelve weeks we've been off now, so we can't tell the boys to train for twelve weeks and then another, you know, seven or eight weeks full on. So it, it's hard when we've not got a time. You no, know, once we get that locked in, we can then you know give them a certain plan they can do. So we're still furloughed, so we can't use any of the uh, any of the facilities at Warrington. So it's been tough. Been tough for the boys, but I think the most hardest part about it is the uncertainty of when we're going to get back. You know, you, you listen this morning and it looks like the R rate's going to go back up. So will that push us back? So nothing's been set in stone, and and I can I can fully understand why nothing's been set in stone because you know if we set something, let's say for for instance we set it in middle of August, and then there's another spike and we've got to put it back. Well, it's a lot more messing about. So I can fully understand why the the powers that be have not, you know, they've not set set something, you know, in stone because things could change, as we know, and <laughs> it changes daily. But it's it's been been frustrating, but it's also, you know, these guys are fully professional, so most of them they like the way the body looks anyway, so they're going to train anyway. Uh, you know, back in my day, oh. I was having I was having twelve weeks off. There was no training for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna bring that up, Scully. I mean. Look, all all the players are giving the line. You know, oh yeah, we're working hard. We're doing things in the garden, this and that. Honestly, though, as a, as a player, if you know you're having all this time off, are you really training every day? Surely the the crates are coming out, the barbecues are being being lit every night. Surely. I'm sure. I'm sure there's been a. I'm sure there's been a few barbecues and a few beers, no doubt. But you know, players know that they 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 can't they can't let themselves go. They you know there, there is going to be, hopefully. In sooner rather than later, you know, back playing and back training, and you can't turn up to training, you know, not being able to to to, to play at the level that you you was at before. So players know they've got to they've got to maintain it. Don't get me wrong, it's not going to be like you know training at the club every day because you've not got the facilities, you've not got the equipment to do that. A lot of them, so they've just got to try and you know work around that and, and just try and keep some sort of, of, of fitness levels. But it's a uh, you know, no doubt the boys and you know, like Lee says, it's hard to plan at the moment when when games are going to start. When you get them players back in and and get into that level to to be able to go out and play. I suppose the other thing as well is there's, there's your own pride, isn't there? When you get back to training, I suppose you you all want to come back being the best in the group. And I assume when you you go training in rugby league, you get caught out and you stick out like a sore thumb if you're not up to speed. Like, is is that fairly a, a Oh, Has there ever been times where you've seen someone turn up to training and just not be there, and it's it's very very apparent? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, you, you're dead right, and and Paul's dead right. These guys are super super professional. Uh, let's let's not beat about the bus. There will be times where they they relax, and and that's important as well because they need to be fresh here. You know, if they're training for twelve weeks and another, so it could be essentially twenty weeks. That's that's like four pre-seasons, you know. It's uh, so they can't do that. It's impossible. But these guys are super, super professional, and you only have to look on Instagram, WhatsApp, uh, 
Twitter, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of long distance runs to keep the body fat down and stuff. So they found new ways of training. The one thing they won't be able to do is, you know, they, they can't lift heavy weights because they've not got stuff there. So the, the, the body mass might go down. But also the contact side of stuff, you know, the, 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 these guys are used to whacking each other every day in training. So that's something what they're going to, they're going to miss. Uh, that's something what we're going to have to look at coming back to play. We can't just go, right, this is the date. We're back in. These guys need training up for that. Else, you know, on the flip side, I'm, you know, I'm not too, I, I'm obviously, we have uh, edit performance and stuff like that. Who know about the contact side of stuff and, and what it takes. These guys can't go back within a week or two and, and go straight into contact. It's just, you know, it's, it's feeding them to the lions that. I'm still staggered that a man of your talent is telling me that you're a bad trainer. Well, I did all my training off the field, so in, in video rooms, uh, I, I used to get my, my head right instead of my body, so I, I, I was, uh, my study was all done in video rooms, watching hours and hours and hours of, of opposition teams, so maybe I should have done some more weights or, you know, less skill, so I was always skill in video. Well, some people do, do a lot of weights instead of skills, so I always used to say, if there's any extras, you'll see them all going in the gym, doing the curls. I go on the field, maybe we should have swapped it around. I should have gone and done curls and they do extra skill. <laughs> what were you like as a trainer, Scully? Yeah, do you know what? I uh, I always enjoyed training. I was a, I was a good trainer. Um, still still, still train now. It's always been a big part of my life and, you know, probably uh, probably very lucky that, you know, when I was playing that I, I enjoyed the training. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the horrible side of it as well, you know, the, the, the fitness, the conditioning, the weights. Um, it was always something that, you know, I prided myself on. And, and again, you know, and that's not something that you can just switch off when you when you finish playing. So that's something I've, I've carried on. Um, you know, that, that's just that's just me. So I was, I was very lucky. But, you know, Lee, Lee talking about him there, he's, he's, uh, his talent was his, was his skill, was his vision, was his kicking, you know. And you do, games are not won in the gym. You know, games are games are won by by playing smart rugby and and skill levels now, and and that's something I know that you're gonna you're gonna touch on is is a difference in obviously in today's game and, and when we played and for me that's a big one is the, is the skill levels. I think sometimes it's hard to compare generation to generation because the game's the same but it's different as well. You know, everyone compares Martin a fire to wingers of this day and age and. How do you compare the two when they were effectively doing their different skills, different talents? But what I wanted to touch on really was how how much it has changed in the playing style, but also the standard. You mentioned the skill level there, Lee. Do you are you sort of on the same same train of thought as Scully there that the the skills are different now, maybe not even quite as good as they were back when when you guys were taken to the field. It, it, it is a difficult one because I see it day in day out. When you when you've got your, your top level players, uh, they are skillful. They're very very skillful. They're just as skillful as I just think that the game's changed. Uh, the game has changed. So you know where 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 I've been coached in the past is you know if you make a mistake, yeah, well it doesn't really matter. Just go and defend and uh, keep practicing that skill. You know you're going to make mistakes. That's a part of learning. If you make a mistake, you learn from it. Uh, I think the game's changed a lot now where it's all about possession and if you make a mistake, God, you could be under pressure a lot. Uh, so I think it's us as coaches who need to change our philosophy on, you know, if if a, if a certain player makes a mistake, you know, 
it's not the be all and end all. You know, you just go and learn a new skill in, in defence. You know, and good teams can make errors and defend them. And that it's just a mentality. And we've got some fabulous players who've got really good skill. But I think I touched on this not long ago with what we, we found our skill, you know, the likes of our our, our era. And I, I hate going back to our era because it was it's a different game, but you know, we found our skill. We didn't find it much in training. We found it playing on the field against our mates when we was seven, eight, nine, you know, making games. So we used to make our own games up, whether it be rugby league or, or some form of rugby league, one-on-ones, two-on-twos, 3 v 3s you know, chip chase, you know, throwing it out, your, out the back, you know. We, we built them, our skills around that. You know, Scully had two older brother, uh, a brother on either side of him. You know, he would have been playing against Danny and Lee every day on the field. And they used to play and they used to make their own skill up. You know, we... At training, you know, we, we try to do that a lot, but it kind of gets lost in the big picture stuff. By the big picture stuff, I mean, you know, preparing to win on that weekend. Mm. Kids nowadays, it, it seemed... <clears throat> nowadays are, are on computers. You don't see them out. Society's changed. It's not the kids' fault. It's it's us, probably us adults. We've changed. We've, we've got, we've got uh, access to phones who... You know, internet tells you everything. So we get a bit paranoid as a society. So kids can't, you know, are you allowing your kids to go and do what we didn't know? My mum and dad didn't know what I was doing every day. They didn't know what I was doing. One day I'd just be out playing, come in from school at four o'clock, out till nine o'clock. They didn't have a clue. Now you know where your kid is every day, every minute of the day. Mm-hmm. It's society. We've changed society. We was kids, we were playing every single day. I worked it out. I did a little bit of a study on myself. Uh, and it worked out about, I'd probably play rugby league through the week, about 35 hours of the week. That's everything, playing with my mates, my, my, my school rugby team, playing in your dinner hour at school, you know, your local amateur club. About 35 hours. Now, kids nowadays will probably, if they're lucky, do probably four hours of rugby league. They'll do... One hour on a Tuesday, one hour on a Thursday. You know, maybe a game at the weekend and one at school. Mm. You don't see the likes of we we used to do four hours in one night, four to eight. Do that every mm. day. There's a lot more time you're on that ball and and, and learning. It's really interesting that. The, another thing I was I was going to bring up and we'll touch on that a bit more. But when, when I speak to to, to people in the game, they always, when they talk about forwards in particular, and even backs now, they talk about kilos, how much they weigh, how much weight they're carrying. Uh, has there been a, Scully, do you think, too much emphasis put on on that side of it as well, rather than, you know, the athletic side of it, rather than, as Lee's saying, the, the skill side of it? Um, I, think there, I think there has been. I don't think that's as much the case now. I think players know that being athletic and... Um, you know, you're going to be strong. You don't have to carry weight. You know, I always say scales scales are a myth. Um, it's not about weight. It's about how strong you are, how fit you are, how many times you can you can get up and down off the floor. And um, I think you you look at some of the the better forwards. You know, the likes of Luke Thompson now. You know, they're athletic, they're lean. You know, probably 100 kilos if that. Um, the game's changed, and, and I think with the the new rules as well within the game. You know, the substitutes coming down, the shot clock, and everything. There's less there's less room now for your big fellas who who can't do repetitive, you know, up and downs or you know, energy levels within the game. Mm-hmm. 
It is. It's a very interesting topic, and I think we should uh, carry on. We will be right back. back to Rugby League Batch. Before the break, we were talking about how the game's changed and, and evolved, maybe regressed in some areas. We're going to get back into that now. Lee, one thing I wanted to, to pick up with you, I was speaking to Matt Diskin about this, and he said he, he doesn't think that players are coached to play with their eyes up anymore. Um, he thinks it's too structure-based, that they're not encouraged to play what they see in front of them. Um, obviously, I mean, Scully mentioned that your your vision awareness was, was impeccable. Do, do you think that that's a fair assessment now that players are maybe encouraged not to play with their eyes up, to play what what they see in front of them? I, I can only speak on on my experience, and, and no, that's untrue. Uh, maybe, right. you know, Matt might have come across that. I, I have not come across that because our game's all based on numbers now, and more than any, mm. any time I've ever seen, you know, we get to a point to look up and look in front, and if you've got Simple an analogy is if you've got more attackers and they've got defenders, they are, every player is is asked centre. You know, go and attack them. So that's how mm-hmm. you know we play, uh, or should I say, I've been coached that way and and obviously coached that way as well. So uh, again, it's it, I pro- it's probably been lost in translation. That maybe it's you know the the guys who can see it more regular than other people are. You know, the off-the-cuff kind of people who see something different, what somebody else can't see. But we're playing to numbers. Obviously, it's, it's part of the game now. If, we, if you've got five attackers and they've got four defenders, well, you know, guys are uh, coached to, to go and take that. Uh, so it's probably different on different coaches. You know, Matt's probably seeing it the other way. I'm not saying is he's right. I'm not saying, you know, the way I've seen it is is right. It's, it, you know, every there's, there's no one way. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen it work both ways. But I suppose what we're saying is that we, them, off the cuff players uh, are more, uh, are not, you know, there's not that many of them at the moment because it, it is structured. It is very structured. Mm-hmm. So the person who is willing to take that risk, you know, probably the last mm-hmm. one was Danny Maguire. He's just retired. So you know, if he sees something, if let's say, I always use the analogy, you know. The chip chase, chip and chase yourself. How many times? Have, well, can you tell me when you have seen the last one of them? No, not a clue. Years ago. You know, uh, so it's kind of, you know, that that player who who thinks on his feet, who's going to say, who's going to do something, and you know what? If it doesn't come off, so what? It doesn't bother mm-hmm. us. That's what we we live and die by. It's good. The the other thing I've been watching a lot of the um, the Challenge Cup classics that the BBC have put, and one thing that were apparent certainly you know eighties uh, early nineties, the defensive structure of teams was nothing like it is compared to now. Um, defensively, the game looks like it's completely evolved, but maybe even beyond attacking. Is is that maybe a reason, Scully, why you players are finding it harder to? You know, to give the show and go and run through because the the offences are are a lot meaner than they used to be. I don't know whether they're, they're a lot meaner. I I I, I think defence has evolved because of the attack as well. You know, what what we're talking about there, what Lee was talking about about structures and and 
you know, I'm, I agree with Matt Diskin. You know, I've I've caught, I've worked with with some of the the younger sides, certainly like the England youth, and worked with players. And if you don't give kids them structures, sometimes they don't know what to do because it's it's what they've grown up doing. You know, in the, in this new era of of the, of the way the game's played. And you know, I like doing like game based training. You know, and let let kids go and play, let them play and and, and express what they see and, and play what's in front of them. I know Lee talked about you know structures and and getting to a point. Well, even even getting to that point, if there's something on, play it now. Don't get there to 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 put something else on. And even as much as as the plays, you know, you see this this block play. You know, lead runners out the back. Players don't necessarily play the right play in that, you know, because they, they, they play what they think they're going to do before the ball's played. You know, so for me, it's, it, has, it has changed a lot and, you know, it's, it's, it's taken away a lot of them players, you know, the likes of, of Breezy that go out and just express it and, and, and play as they see, you know, and but, but play what's on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They- I mean, we, we could go we could go on this all day. The, the other thing, a lot of people mention that the old school loose forward, the Paul, the Paul Schoolpops and the Andy Farrells of this world don't exist anymore. I know you've still got Sean O'Loughlin, but a lot of teams use your role now as a third prop, don't they? I mean, that, yeah. is, is that hard for, you, hard for you to see, the way that, you know, the way you played the game in that position? It, it is, it is, and um, you know that that frustrate me if I was an halfback as well. You know, I, I'm not a fan of this three middles. You know, for, for me, you've got two props who play like props, and you've got a, a thirteen who can do a bit of everything. You know, all this three middles and playing three props, but it's it's it's, it's playing everything off these props. You know, James Graham kind of changed the way that this worked. You know, Jammer, it was a natural part of his game that Jammer always had. You know, his, his game was was wanting to run over people. That was first and foremost, was his was his job as a prop, was to, was to rip the ball in, you know, either break the line, if you can't break the line, get a quick play of the ball. But Jammer always had that vision where if there was a pass on and there was somebody in a better place, he'd pass the ball. Now, it's just seemed to evolve now that all props want to do this. And sometimes it's an overthought of, of what their their job, their first job is, you know, as a prop is 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 get quick play of the balls and, and get you on that front foot. And, for me, you see a lot of halfbacks playing out the back on the back of a prop playing at first pass. And for me, it just slows everything down and it takes away that opportunity of, of a halfback running a game and, and, and actually playing what's on. What do you think, Lee? You know, in the modern sorry, game, that, that'd frustrate me. What do you think, yeah. Lee? Does that use to it both and, you know, We've we certainly played with three middles at Warrington. We've also played with a loose forward. I'm, I'm in, I listen. I'm an attack coach, so I want a, a ball playing loose forward to play loose forward. And we've had them. We've had them over here. Uh, so I'm just, yeah. I studied the game a hell of a lot both here and Australia. So Australia went through this period playing three middles, uh, and you know they've had that probably for the last ten years. You know when we we've had these ball playing loose forwards, Scully. You know, Kevin Simfield, Joe Westerman, uh, Sean O'Loughlin. We've all, you know, then Scully was a bit early, then Kevin. And, and you know, and we've had some fantastic ball-playing loose forwards. Then we've probably five years ago gone to the three middles, <clears throat> like Australia. Uh, now Australia are coming out of that, and we're still in it. Now they're, they're going, well, it's all come back, and we've got Cameron Murray, 
uh, at South Sydney. They've got Victor Radley and Roosters, and and they say, wow, it's like the old-fashioned uh, loose forwards come back, and we've still got that, but we're still in the three middles as well. So we kind mm-hmm. of followed Australia again instead of just going, no, this is our game. This is what we're good at. We've got ball playing loose forwards who like to play because that's what they're good at. Uh, and, and that's the way our games are. No, so Australia now raving over. They've got some ball playing loose forwards. Mm-hmm. I'm that's, that's, that's the thing that frustrates me is, you know, is play the, play the British way, play what we do. And, you know, if we're going to compete international, let's be, let's be the best at what we do, not yeah. what the Aussies do. Let's not try and beat them at their game if if they if that's the way they play. And like you yeah. said, they they've evolved now in, in the in the way that the the game's played. You know, there's a bit more flair, a bit more open play. You know, for me, a halfback is is a guy who who runs the, who runs the show. Now at the moment in Super League, for me, that halfback isn't near enough the action. And and there's halfbacks, and that's what I'm saying about these young kids coming through. They've never known anything different than than the role that they currently have. So in regards to, you know, running the game, you know, directing players, you know, steering the ship, you you like you, you did, Lee, like Long you did, you know, players that who, who absolutely dominate games, but young players have never experienced that. They fell into the into this new way of of, of playing, you know, and uh, and for me, it's 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 not improved our game. Yeah, and and I go back to. You know, we, we need to educate the coaches, uh, the amateur coaches. And it's, listen, it, this this falls solely on, you know, professional coaches because that's where we're running the game. So what happens is then it feeds down and then these amateur coaches and amateur players see they want to be this player. Now, back back 20 years ago, everybody wanted to be play school for. So that's how they played and that's how they coach teams. Now that they're seeing the structured stuff, so that's how they're going to coach. We need to, we we kind of need really need to reboot everything, if if that's the way we want to go. Personally, I'd get rid of scholarships, uh, and and you know bring back under 11s town team, under 13s town team, under 15s town team, and just let kids play. Right. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about scholarships. Too much pressure on kids. Just go and play. Enjoy yourself. Play. We're not bothered about, you know, everybody wants to win. I get that, that because we're all that, you know, we're all that competitive. We want to win, but there's a bigger picture here. Let the kids play. At the moment, we, we don't let them play in that That's way. It. You're going you're gonna to get, get better players who have got... Better players will be the players with the, the better physical attributes and the, and the best skill. And the best way of doing that is coaching skill, is core skills... You know, drills, games, put them in situations where you know there's a bit of pressure, but they can they can express themselves and they can play what they see. Telling them telling them how to do things. Unfortunately, tra- games do not pan out as training sessions do. So when you've when you've coached them and you and you've structured them to death, when they come to a game and it's not worked out like it, it has done in training, what what do they do? But the big one for me is is that actual core skill. Core skill wins games. Yeah, core, core skill in, in anything, in, in any, I'll just use sport as, a, as an analogy. Core skill in any sport, you know, makes a champion player because what, what you're doing is you're building the base. It's like my house here. 
If I don't build a base, it's going to fall down. When there's a bit of pressure on it, when there's a wind, or, you know, if there's a gale force wind, it'll fall down, there's no base. So when people come under pressure and you've got no core skill, you've got no base, you fall down. Now, I've seen it so many times and, you know, I've seen some people come through systems who can't pass from right to left and left to right. That's a core fundamental skill of rugby league. How can they then progress any further if they can't do that? Why are we not coaching and making sure that is nailed? And you know, when we back in our day, we I've never seen I've never seen a, a kid coach now the way we used to coach tackling. You know, from behind, put your head behind and stuff like that. I don't see it. They're core skills. Mm -hmm. The game's not changed. It's just that we're changing. We think we're making it better. Core mm -hmm. skills are key in any so sport. If you've got the right sw core swing, the, you know, you're right, the mechanics of it. Well, under pressure, when you've got a, a shot to win the comp, you'll do it because you've got core skill. It's, mm -hmm. it's critical, absolute critical. But again, I'll go back to coaching. We just want to go for that big play. So we're going to, play, we're going to coach them how to go out the back, out the back, score in the corner. Well, that might be the case. But when you put 13 defenders in front of them and they're coming flying at you, and they've not got the right pass catch or the right line to it, it's going to fall down. It's, it's mm. not rocket science. Unfortunately, we make this game too complicated. Mm -hmm. I think one thing, just to touch on what you said, Scully, um, you know, we don't play to our strength. We don't play the British way. I know that's been a criticism of, of a lot of people that, you know, we, we try and be something that were maybe not. I remember I've watched that Great Britain game that was on the Sky the other day when beat the Aussies and the flair that we're on show, you know, Long Sean Long had an unbelievable game, but there was you know, there were offloads everywhere. There were, we the game doesn't seem to be played that that way anymore, but that seems to be where our our strength certainly did lie. So yeah, why why did we ever go away from? I don't know. I think, like like Lee says, maybe it's the it's the influence of, of coaches who've, who've come on board. I know I know a lot of people talk about the likes of Michael Maguire at, at Wigan and, and the, the way they played, and um, whether it's just that Australian way that, that's that's come over. But I, I totally agree. I think you know when we've when we've been at our best in international level, it's it's when we play with with skill, play with flair. And do you know what? G genetically, we're different than the Australians. You know, the Polynesians, whatever. Don't don't try and beat them at what what where they excel. You know, do what where we excel, and and for me that's always been skill level. You know, and, and and pace, and I know that's something. You know, I'm fortunate now to be involved in the England setup, and and, and absolutely, it's a breath of fresh air working with with Sean Wayne. You know, we do we meet every every Thursday on on Zoom and and go through stuff, and and he's he that's a big thing. What he wants is 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 play how do the things that will win England the World Cup or you know we're obviously looking at an Ashes series at the back end of this year unfortunately not happening but I think I think you'll see a, a different international side this year next year sorry I'm just going to touch on that quickly you know the, the Great Britain tour didn't, didn't go as planned can we from what you know from what you've experienced can we expect to see a different England a different style of play to what we we saw under Wayne Bennett, which, you know, ultimately got us to a World Cup final. But 
the Great Britain time, yeah, I'm sure you will agree, was very, very disappointing. Yeah, I think uh, I think you'll see a vast difference um, in in the way that the in the way that the, the team will play in in what's expected of the of the players in, in representing wearing an England jersey. You know, in, in regards to to efforts and and, and commitment. I'm not saying that they you know they weren't committed pre- previously, um, but also the, the the way that they play. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think you'll see a, a big difference and. Potentially in uh, in uh, obviously selections as well. That that's going to be interesting, Lee. Just quickly before we go to a break, um, is there anyone you're expecting to sort of emerge internationally in the next couple of in the next year or so before the World Cup? Yeah, it's a tough question. Obviously, I had eight weeks off now, uh, but there, there <laughs> will be, there will be. And I, you know, there's one thing I I, I really believe Sean Wynn will do. He'll pick, he'll pick players on form and he'll pick the best person to play in that position. Uh, we've uh, run out of time, unfortunately. We'll be back after a short break where we'll get right back into it. Stay where you are. Final part of this week's Rugby League Batch. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. We've got plenty more to get into. Now, we're, uh, we're going to open this conversation up. Uh, I'm going to come to Lee Breers first. I want to talk about underrated players. Now, gents, I hope you won't mind because you were both fantastic players, but you got you know, you know, got the credit. The, there are some players that quite simply just do not get the credit that they deserve for their talents. Uh, Lee, you've, you've played with a lot of players internationally at club level and even played against a lot of players. Are there any people that, that stand out in your mind who were criminally underrated? I think one standout and comes to mind, you know, he's, he's from actually where you, you're, you're from, Matt, is uh, Simon Gritz. Uh, Simon mm-hmm. was... You know, in, in today's game, he would, he would be worth, you know, be nearly my key player because he could play absolutely everywhere. I think he did play everywhere for Warrington, actually. Uh, as tough as they come, as tough as they come, did all the dirty stuff, but so skillful and you know he had natural talent. He, you know I can't speak highly enough of, of Gritzin. He, he probably struggled with injury a touch. I think because he put his body on the line that much, uh, you know he found a lot of injury. But you know he could play prop, hooker, loose forward, centre, fullback, standoff. He could play everywhere and he could do it. Absolutely unbelievable. So he just didn't fill in. He actually made a difference when he did. And, you know, he he should have, if if stayed clear of injury, he should have been an international for years. Uh, you know, and it's now, you know, he's, he's, he's becoming a great coach at Halifax, which does does not surprise me in the slightest. It's, it's an interesting one with, with him. As, as you said, Warrington, I see, the, look at Warrington's fans on social media, and they all rave about him, speak so fondly of him. Yet then... If he seemed to go out of Warrington, he doesn't seem to really get any any acknowledgement for how good a player he was. Why does it happen? It seems to happen. You know, it's not just him. It, it happens to many players over the careers. Why is it? Yeah, I suppose people and, and fans just like you. Either you've got to smash people, you've got to set tries up and be you know flamboyant, or you've got to be fast, and you re- get recognised for that. 
Well, actually, Grixie was all three. He, mm. he just he didn't have, and I'm not doing him injustice. He, he he wasn't like unbelievable at just one. He was very very good at all everything. So not one thing mm. stood out. Which, which in my eyes is miles better. He was a complete player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he was, he was awesome. He'd fill in for for anybody. You know, a wonderful. He was a ball playing thirteen. Uh, a wonderful mm-hmm. player. Wonderful player. And uh, Scully, I mean, you played in in superstar teams at St Helens. You won so many trophies. Was there anyone in in those sides that didn't quite? get the recognition that they deserved? I think, you know, in, in teams, um, I think you're always going to get your, your players in it. And it always tends to be key players in, in key positions who touch the ball more than anybody else. Or like Lee says, you know, you're scoring tries or you're putting the, the big shots on. Um, so I played in, I played in some great teams at St. Helens and, you know, a lot of quality players. I mean, to, to get in that St. Helens team, you had, to be a, you had to be a quality player. I'll probably speak about one player... In particular, who I talk I talk about Mike when I uh, when I do when I do talks, and he, he's always an example I use to, to kids. Actually, you know Mike, Mike Bennett, uh, he won't mind me t- telling you this, and because I actually did it in a school presentation at his school for him. Was you know you get players who have so much natural ability, but don't have that work ethic and and the dedication to to, to get better, to improve, or to even stay at the, the level they're at. You know, I always say natural ability will always open the door, but then you, you've got to kick it in and you've got to work. And Mike Bennett, and he won't mind me saying this, was, was somebody who didn't have a lot of natural ability. What he had was the, the work ethic. You know, he'd work 150% on every single part of his game. It'd, it'd be, you know, the first on the field doing the skill, it'd be, it'd be in the gym. You know, and this guy's got Super League rings. He's got Challenge Cup winners medals. He's got World Club Challenge medals. Of, of somebody who, on the ability that he was born with, probably shouldn't have done. You know, and I think that is a, is a, he's a great role model for, for a lot of kids. In If you want to achieve something, that you can work hard enough to, to do that. And on the other mm. flip side, I've seen a lot of players with so much natural ability, but just didn't want to work for it. And, and he fell mm. by the wayside within, you know, within Super League. And, you know, obviously I won't mention names, but other clubs who... You know, players who were tipped as young kids to to be the next this, the next that, and, and go all the way, and completely fell by the wayside because they didn't have that that dedication. And I think no matter what what kind of player you are, I, I know I can only speak for myself. You know, I was very fortunate to break through as a young kid, but never ever stopped working to get better. I didn't want to just I didn't want to just be a Super League player. I wanted to be the best. And to be the best, you never ever stop working and stop improving. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, Mike, Mike Bennett is one who always stands out at, at Saints to to have the career that he had and playing the the games and be being the big games and, and a lot of time in front of a lot of players who who had probably more ability. Mm-hmm. So he's one he's one who, who stands out for me. I was going to um, bring up the start of your career, colleague. I mean you. How, how did the start of your career? Because I seem to recall that you did, did. I read somewhere that you'd even had a, an eighteen game at Halifax or something like that at the start of your career. No, no, my, my, my brother played at Halifax. Brother, my, right, my okay, eldest yeah, yeah. brother. No, I, I, I signed for Warrington as a as a fourteen year old. 
So obviously it was different then. There was no scholarship. You could only only join Warrington when uh, obviously when I left school at, at 16, you know. And then that first mm-hmm. year, I think I played three or four academy games. Was straight in the in the reserve grade in the in the A team, and then made my first mm-hmm. team debut uh, at the back end of that 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 first year. Um, play, I think I played the last four or five games that year. Right, and Lee, I mean, you know, you you are Mister Mister Warrington Wolves. Did is is I don't know if you've asked. I'm sure you've been asked this before. Did did you ever nearly leave? I've, I've nearly left a, a few times. Uh, no, sorry, just once, just once. Uh, it was uh, it was around 2001, maybe uh, 2001, 2002. That now. When I say nearly, I probably had a, a think about it for about a second. Uh, but <laughs> the reason I the reason I signed for Saints, uh, the reason I signed for Warrington from Saints was, you know, my good mate Paul Schoolthorpe was at Warrington. Not knowing that four months later he was going to sign for Saints. So, yeah, thanks for that, Scully. <laughs> I don't know it. <laughs> what what happened? What happened there then? How, so you so you. You moved to why yeah, so, you kind of crossed. Yeah, so so when I I, I think I signed in April two uh, nineteen ninety seven to come across to, mm-hmm. to to play with my old pal Scully uh, to to make Warrington great again, and then in the pre season of that year, Scully did one <laughs> and left me in the old uh, doo doo <laughs> to prop up the club. Uh, oh, he's, he's, never forgive, he's never forgiven me. No, we saved some money when we, we let Scully go. <laughs> I guess where it went. Hey. <laughs> and that new kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what was uh, what made you leave Scully? It wasn't that Libra is a joint, surely. No, do you know what? It was it was it was before but I felt, you know, bad on uh, on Lee because Liar. It was probably <laughs> It was probably a lot instigated before before Breezy come and uh, you know Warrington. It was a, it was a very different club than it than it is today. Obviously, financially they, they were struggling. The big thing for me was you know it's a story that I tell. Um, Yestin Harris left for, for Leeds, which Yestin was probably one of the best, if not the best player in, in Super League at the time. Uh, and that for me was a sign of, of Warrington's ambitions at the time. You know was was. Letting young players go who could be the future of, of Warrington being, you know, a, a real challenge in, in Super League. And for me, that that wasn't the case at the time. And I wanted to I wanted to play in big games. I was I was in the England and Great Britain setup, you know, playing with some of the players who, who were playing in Challenge Cup finals and winning championships. And, and that's all I wanted. It wasn't about financial game. Warrington were absolutely brilliant with me with with salaries and, and contracts, but I wanted to play on the big stage. Um, so I had, a, I had a great relationship with the chairman Peter Hyam, and he asked for a, a conversation, and literally asked for a, asked for a transfer. So, you know, the, um, the the granted me that because of the the, the money's coming in through through the sale of me, and uh, and obviously you know the rest is history. I, I went to Saints. And Lee, which club did you consider moving to for about five seconds in two thousand and one? Uh, witness it was. Uh, I met up with of Neil Kelly, uh, mm-hmm. and then just see what what was. I was in contact contract negotiations. Actually, tell a lie. It was uh, it was twice. I got offered a rugby union deal as well at the same time, which uh, right. 
But I chose I chose to uh, turn it down because I was going to get picked for Great Britain and uh, I made that one single appearance for Great Britain, so that was worth it. I could have been a millionaire now. <laughs> I, was, I, I wanted to ask you about this. The, the, I mean, look, everyone says that it, it was criminal that you didn't play as much for Great Britain as you, as you did. It, it, looking back now, why, why do you think it worked the way that it did? Well, there's, there's all kinds of, the, the, you know, I wasn't, let's, let's not beat about the bush. And I can, and I can speak about it now because I've reflected and, uh, mm. and I've moved on and, and, it, and it's part of my life, part of my journey. Yeah, I was a great trainer when I was a kid and, you know, I did like a drink. Uh, mm. So it, it was nobody's fault that I didn't get picked, only my, my own. You know, but that's life, mm. you know, that's made me the person I am, you know, I'm a, I'm a totally different person now and I've learned from, from, from mistakes and now I've passed that experience on. So if, if me not playing for Great Britain because somebody didn't think I was professional enough, you know, helped somebody down the line, well, I'll take that. I'll take that if it helps them. Uh, mm. But, you know, it, it's all, it, it, it all depends. You know, when you play in international rugby, you know, when you have club coaches who coach Great Britain, well, obviously you're going to favour your own player because you trust them. And I've got no issue with that. So there's all different, you know, theories and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't good enough. And, I, and I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with it. Fair enough. I don't want to. I don't want to end on that. Let's let's talk about. Um, yeah. Let's talk about something a bit more lighthearted. If if you were, uh, you know, if you were the the best trainer, was there anyone alongside you at Warrington who uh, didn't mind didn't mind messing around a little bit, doing doing I, the pranks and so on and so forth? Yeah, I wouldn't say I wasn't the the worst trainer. So when I'm on the rugby field and that ball's mm-hmm. in my hand, there's nobody who'll train harder. I just didn't like the fitness mm-hmm. side of it and the weights. Maybe if I, I met Brett Hodgson, yeah. maybe if I met mm-hmm. Brett Hodgson a bit later, because Oddie didn't like the weight team, but he was a super trainer, Brett, on the field. He was unbelievable. As you can see with his stats, he didn't like the weights either. So we, we were good training partners in the gym. <laughs> uh, but yeah, on the field, you know, we train as hard as anybody. Uh, when, you, when you get that ball in the hand, yeah. you can run around for fun. Paul Cullen always, well, he told me after I'd finished, he said, you know why we used to play a lot of, you know, tick and pass and offside touch and game of soccer? I said, why? He said, because when you had the ball in your hand, you could run around forever. That was your fitness. If he asked you to run in straight lines, <laughs> you're struggling. So it was really good coaching that, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Scully, you had the uh, infamous Yorkshire bus that um, caused all sorts of, of havoc back in, yeah. in those great days at Saints. Uh, Look, many of many of the uh, those stories have been told over and over again. Which which is your favourite, and uh, would you mind repeating it for us as well? Oh man, um, there's 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 numerous stories with the uh, <laughs> with the the auction bus. I I miss the best one. I think the the best one is uh, is something that happened at uh, at Ruskin Drive with with Lee Gilmore and uh, and Leon Price and. Uh, I don't know how much detail I could go into that. Um, it's funny talking about non-trainers. <laughs> it's funny talking about non-trainers because Leon Price was was right up there. Um, you talk about somebody who's a, na- a natural athlete on the field and, and skill. Um, another one who, who dodged as much training as he could. So the 
I, what was it? What was the story about um, James Graham? I think that one's that's a popular one. Didn't, didn't he try and run over the boys or something like that? Yeah, that was after uh, that was obviously Mad Monday. I think we'd we'd won the grand final, um, and Gilly, um, Leon Price, and Paul Anderson were obviously stopping at the at the Griffin Inn in uh, in St Helens. Uh, through the night, decided to go to Morrison's and buy a, a hair dye, a jet black hair dye, and, and do Jammer's head and, and eyebrows and everything while he was uh, while he was blind drunk asleep. Um, to which Jammer got up in the morning, wasn't impressed, put his uh, his hand through the uh, through the window, unfortunately breaking his hand, which cost cost him cost him a GB tour. Um, yeah, but Jammer tried getting his uh, getting his own back by. Firstly, running the boys over and then threatening to to set fire to the car and everything else. That's oh, it's just uh, funny to look back at. I, the funniest moment I found a picture of it the other day. We we're actually have a we have a WhatsApp group all the ex players and a picture of of Jammer. I just remember we was in the in O'Neill's in on Duke Street in St Helens, and this was like late on on the, the the day after. I just remember turning around at the bar and Jammer stood next to me just waiting for a drink, and he completely just left his hair and his eyebrows and. I mean, when Gilly had done it, he'd literally rubbed it on with his hands. So it was it wasn't just his eyebrows and his hair. It was his head. It was his cheeks. It was it was everywhere. And I just remember turning around and seeing Jammer and just chuckling. But it was a uh, yeah. It was it was funny. It wasn't funny in the morning when uh, when Jammer lost the plot, but certainly reflecting back at. What does he say about just quickly? What does he say about breaking his hand and costing himself a GB tour off the back of it? Yeah, I think uh, I think that'll that'll obviously be a big disappointment in uh, in in Jammer's uh, in Jammer's career. But you know, I think he's he's more than made up for uh, for experiences after that. He has very very much. What's well, a lovely story to end on? Funny one as well, gents. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to have you on board. Thank you to everyone who's watched as well. We'll be back very very soon for another episode of Rugby League Back Chat. But for now, take care. Look after yourself and enjoy everything you can to do with Rugby League.